we've gotten to this point where we've become an authority in the sport. Uh, we know just about anything there is of uh, in terms of pickleball technology. Uh, this has also led to us helping brands develop their products. What paddle is being tested the most right now? We've worked with some pretty large brands so, and we're working with some very large brands. Um, we definitely can't mention those names, but you'll, you'll see them really soon. Look, there's no denying the fact that purchasing physical products has mostly moved to online. However, when you're purchasing a product like a paddle, a shoe, or maybe a piece of clothing, it's a little bit of a different story and you wanna go in and try it out and see for yourself. Joey B, the owner of the Pickleball Exchange, has demonstrated the value of that by one, having an in-shop demo court, and two, providing that in-person service when it comes to pickleball product knowledge. He realizes that every customer is different, has different needs, so he makes sure that the experience is tailored to you as opposed to what everyone else is buying online. His goal is to educate customers before anything. Hey, what's going on, Joey? Thanks for joining me today. Well, glad to be here. Yeah, definitely. Can you tell me a little about yourself and the Pickleball Exchange? Uh, first, um, thank you for having me because uh, I'm not even sure why I'm here following someone like Steve Kuhn. Uh, so that's, I mean, he's like one of the most beloved people in Pickleball. Um, so just sitting in the seat right now in front of you, it's like, whoa. <laughs> um, but yeah. I'm, uh, my name is Joey. I am the founder of the Pickleball Exchange. Uh, we are a retailer in the pickleball space. Um, we have a brick and mortar store in Encino, and we have an online store um, where we service customers uh, across the nation. But our business is primarily uh, in Los Angeles. Um, our store is pretty unique, I think. Um, I'd like to believe, I think we're the first to have the concept of the indoor demo court. And um, yeah, I think that's really our claim to fame. And um, I guess myself, former tennis player, uh, lived in New York, played tennis for about 20 years almost. And um, when I came here, just converted to pickleball and never looked back. But yeah, I spent most of my life in uh, the corporate world, uh, grinding it out, uh, working in operations supply chain. And um, just when... I guess when the pandemic hit, decided to jump into pickleball uh, full, just full on. Yeah. Where did that uh, entrepreneurial spirit come from to like move from corporate? Just man, like you and I, Asians, we have like yeah. a lot of standards and expectations from parents that instill it in, in us at a very young age. So like, I don't think there's anything, I don't think they really advise against going into entrepreneurship entrepreneurship but if you have a good corporate job you know that's usually like mm -hmm. yeah stay in that and just keep like working up the ranks always hated the corporate world 
um, I hated the idea of just kind of following a set path. So, and I, I did so earlier in my career, and I did it you know, in short, brief stints throughout my career in the past, I guess, decade and a half. Um, but I've always just con- constantly looked for something else to do. Um, I've always wanted to do something on my own, build something on my own, build something I can be proud of. And it's typically not the safest decision, um, but I think the the reward's worth it in the end. For me, I've always known that my priorities in life are first family and a second career. And the only way to be able to prioritize family is to have success in something career-wise. Um, and it's really hard when you're working in the corporate world. Um, it's had to find something that gave me a little more freedom uh, so I could focus on my family. You mentioned that you prioritize your family. How did that feel to go from a stable income? You kind of have like a, a stable path in the corporate world. Nothing wrong with that, but there is that uh, stability and just like reassurance in a way. But then like when you move into entrepreneurship, that changes drastically and there's a lot more risk yep. that you're going into. So like, how did that feel when you know you have to prioritize family, not just providing for your family, but also being able to allocate the right amount of time with your children, your wife? I mean, it was really difficult. I had to make 100% sure it was something I could realistically get into and have a path towards success. You know, with my background, prior to this, I also had a consulting agency where we used to develop products and um, take them to market. So when I came into this, I really had to deep dive into it um, to understand, is there a path towards success? Fortunately, there wasn't because <laughs> uh, when I jumped into Pickleball, it, it was still very new in, in LA. Um, I did a competitive analysis, looked at the landscape, and there were barely any courts. Um, all I could find were a handful of Facebook groups with some a couple hundred members. And um, I, guess, I think to any business person, they would say, worst possible decision you can make. But you know, I'm very thankful, had a very supportive wife. Um, I did fairly well in my previous life, so I had some savings. And I think it, it was really tough. But you know, I think with the pandemic, what I realized is um, sometimes things will be tough. And sometimes you have to create the market. Sometimes you have to create what you want to do. Because if you don't, um, you're just going to be stuck in somebody else's game. And I really wanted to just be able to control my own destiny. And that's an awesome line. You you have to create the market. I mean, when it happens everywhere, right? There's a lot of people just like copying, just kind of following this calling following suit from other folks. And Mm -hmm. in some ways, if you're in it for the money, which there's nothing wrong with being in it for the money. I mean, this country Mm -hmm. is built on a lot of people who like came from other countries and had to provide for their families. But uh, if you have the opportunity to like innovate and do something differently, that's like really important. And to take even more risk, adding that onto just like taking that entrepreneurial route. When you're saying you have to create the market, was that indoor demo court? Is that like kind of a piece of that? Uh, part of it. That wasn't that wasn't as intentional as most people would think. Um, that really just stemmed from like the rise in material costs during the pandemic. So it was just way more expensive to buy tile or wooden planks with floor. So I figured, hey, why not just paint it a, paint the concrete slab into a court? 
Um, and for initially, the intention was just if you're going to try shoes on, why not try it on a court? See what it actually feels like. Um, and then we set up a prop net in the center of the store, uh, just for just to kind of decorate the store, a little fill in the space. And um, people started asking, "Hey, can we hit on this?" And I said, "Sure." And then folks started asking questions about paddles, and um, we couldn't really answer them. So we hit with them to help them understand uh, what it felt like. And then during off times, uh, me and my single staff member, we used to just hit with everything and just try to really get a more intimate knowledge of the product that we're selling. Because um, when I came to the sport, I was just like, I love this. You got, I got to do this. I don't care what the market looks like. Let's just figure it out. And um, it's just a lot, it's a long path of learning. And it just continued to evolve at a rate that was not as intentional as most people would think it was. At first, it was just people asking to hit on it, and they were just having fun. I say, sure, why not? Um, and then we started doing it with them, and then we started learning more and more. And we started seeing so many people come in at, asking to try pedals on court that we had to structure it. And we built this process out uh, where it just became this guided demo. And then it became something more. Um my background is in product development and I have a huge sports background and uh, I always, I've always been hyper analytical in sports. So it just made a lot of, all this came together and made a lot of sense to build something a little more technical. And that's, that was the birth of the, the demo sessions at the pickleball exchange. And um, we've gotten to this point where we've become an authority in the sport. Uh, we know just about, anything there is of, uh, in terms of pickleball technology. Uh, this has also led to us helping brands develop their products. Um, it, it's just kept snowballing, snowballing, and we, we just had to stay dynamic and grow with it. And uh, yeah, it just kind of took on a life of its own. Yeah, that's, I have a lot of questions that keep coming up, but I'll try to go with the flow. I try to stick to yeah. the one that is the most recent for the sake of the listeners. Um, you mentioned, I don't remember how you just phrased it, but you were talking about how like your product development background helped mm-hmm. you and yeah, your employees become better at testing and just like more knowledgeable around products. Can you yep. talk more about that? Yeah. I mean, I've worked in labs with uh, PhDs. I, I've worked in cosmetics. I've worked in, uh, well, lots of consumer packaged goods with plastics and rigid materials. And um, that's essentially what pickle paddles are made of. So understanding how they respond to impact, how they respond to different environments, um, really helped us understand how pickleballs would impact, uh, or sorry, would, uh, would be influenced by a paddle. Um, and it led down the rabbit hole where we just start researching and learning and talking to people far more knowledgeable than us. And um, yeah, just really growing our knowledge base so we can better help customers. There's probably a lot of people, folks that order from like online and like Pickleball mm-hmm. Central is very well known for just demo any paddles you want. You have 30 days and you just return it. So I've had friends taking like five paddles, but to be able to have someone that has a technical background to be able to pro- provide like a review in a sense and one way to definitely provide more value to customers. We really try to take a non-biased point uh, stance. So we don't push people toward any one direction. So when you come in, we talk to you about your needs, wants, your challenges, 
Um, we'll pull up a lineup, we'll try a bunch of stuff. We, it, we make it very scientific. We set a baseline, put a bunch of different things, uh, different variations of pedals in your hand, see what the preferences lie, and then that will help us navigate through the array of pedals. Because quite frankly, there are just way too many out there. Um, so we try to simplify the process and make it at least intimidating as possible. Because a lot of the time, we're the first point of contact for people coming into the sport. The problem with a lot of industries is they're always industries, hobbies, sports. Look at it, even in my background, jiu-jitsu. Coaches were always looking at like just jiu-jitsu. But then the coaches that mm -hmm. excelled, they are the ones that look at other sports, like crossbreeding, this like cross-pollination. So like the fact that you're bringing yep. in your experience from product development. And that's you see it in some of these other pickleball companies is they have people who come from the tech industry and they find out like, mm -hmm. oh, we can leverage different things to um, help provide value. Like you mentioned, when a customer comes in, you talk about your needs, wants. That's very like, yeah, that's very product development oriented. Um, and it's very focused on the user's experience. Yeah, we, we find it really important because a lot of folks coming in have, uh, especially in pickleball, have no sports background. And they look at this wall of paddles and go, huh? <laughs> so um, we want to make it as easy as possible. We want to make it so that there are as few barriers to entry into the sport as possible from our from our end. Yeah, this is very refreshing to hear these a lot of these terms that came from my last job is you know low low barrier to entry it's very common is like you want to create less friction and when you said i think that's a really good point earlier you said that we are the first point of contact and that speaks volumes it's like look this sport has a lot of traction if you're the first point of contact that's a huge responsibility that anyone should take very seriously um, and outside of pickleball, you see, that's just not really the case, but damn, that's awesome to hear. Um, we, we, that's our primary emphasis. Uh, I have very few rules for our staff and, um, the number one rules, we don't upsell, we don't push. Um, our goal is to educate rather than sell sales will come. The sport's growing really fast, but you know, as a first point of contact, we have an extreme responsibility to ensure that the process is easy. So this sport continues to grow. I mean, people like Steve Kuhn uh, are doing wonderful, wonderful things at the top of pickleball. We're just trying to do our part at the bottom. The fact that you emphasize with your team and your brand is the goal is to educate first. That's also like huge. If more people took that approach, I, you know, like caring about the uh, whoever's purchasing the item and like just caring about educating them, that's things would look a lot better for everyone. What paddle is being tested the most right now? The 6-0, a double black diamond, or the, the Legacy Pro. Uh, really hot pedals on the market. Also the Carbon, Carbon, 116, uh, Carbon 1X16. Um, those unit bodies are all the rage right now. Yeah, that Legacy Pro. I feel like maybe Chris Dickert will be listening to this at some yeah. point, but he's like the <laughs> co-founder. If he looks at Reddit, it's, it's kind of like a love hate because there's a lot of people who are like i can't wait for this paddle just ordered it and then those same people are also like i've been waiting months and i, I imagine you know they're not trying to do this intentionally it's supply chain it, it's a high demand yeah we work with a lot of the brands on the back end um especially the smaller brands that help them into the market 
because it's a really competitive market. And um, part of what we like to do is help good people try and do good things in the sport. I mean, Chris is, uh, you know, single dad trying to, you know, trying to push his company forward to, to create something for his family. Um, so we love supporting people like that and uh, not just them, but there's a whole bunch of brands and it, a lot of it just stems from manufacturing issues in Asia. Um, it's really not the fault of the brands. It's just the, the factories. Um, demand is just through the roof and it, it's really hard for them to keep up. Yeah. So for any of the listeners, if you ordered a legacy paddle, <laughs> give him a break to stop emailing him. What have people been looking for in paddles when you first started the business? Then to like, what were people looking for next and what are people looking for most now? Oh, that's a tough one because it's just evolved so rapidly. Um, in the beginning, I'd like to say people just focused heavily on power. They just wanted to pound a ball for the most part. Um, I think a lot of it's because we sit in a fairly new market for pickleball. A lot of new players, a lot of uh, tennis players converting. So they're just looking for things to hit as hard as possible. Um, now I think the, the players are becoming a little more savvy, um, a little more experienced. So they're looking for just more complete paddles. I think people are becoming more educated in well, paddle tech. So they're looking for more than just uh, power. For us, we just tell folks, play what's comfortable. I mean, you're going to be the person on court for hours playing. Um, so focus on things like the grip size, uh, the weight, and anything. just make sure you have fun with it. Play with what you like as opposed to what you should play with. Or what people are telling you to play with. Playing with what you like as opposed to what you should play with. Or what people are telling you to play with. The thing is, the more advanced of a player you are, um, the more meaningful these differences are. Uh, but for the average player, uh, local work player, they're not going to feel the difference between, I guess, two different control paddles. Um, some will f- won't feel much of a difference between the power and the control paddle. Um, because I think our understanding of uh, power control spin or form it's different from player to player so it's really uh, relative to the person's experience what is the biggest challenge you're experiencing right now um well i mean we're technically a startup so everything is been, it's been a challenge but keeping a steady supply of paddles coming in um keeping up with uh, all the new paddles coming out um, but we, we try to stay a couple of steps ahead. Uh, we work with a lot of brands to develop their paddles. So we hopefully that helps in the long run. But, um, you know, the economy isn't great. There's a, there's a million and one things affecting sales right now. Um, tons of competitors coming into the game. The landscape is getting quite saturated. Uh, and for us, you know, our focus really isn't the sales, but we want to make sure that, you know, our players are protected. There's just so much marketing out there, and a lot of it's complete junk. That we just want to make sure people understand, you know, what paddles are, what the paddle science is, and so they can make it a well-informed decision. Working with brands and developing paddles, what does that what does that look like? How did that relationship begin? In the beginning, I spent the first two years in store, hitting with people, talking to people, and um, just trying to do what we do. Just trying to educate folks as much as we can, and some at some point during the first couple of first year people uh, from these companies were coming in and I think there were a lot of secret shoppers um, just trying to see what we're doing 
and uh, they realized that we were more than just pitching. We we're doing more than just pitching paddles, and uh, they figured, hey, you know, maybe you should work with these folks. So they they come to us and uh, ask us to play test, uh, advise on the direction of their paddles. Um, we've worked with some pretty large brands. So unfortunately, we can't mention their names. And we're working with some very large brands. Um, we definitely can't mention those names, but you'll you'll see them really soon. Um, but we're really just trying to steer the market in the right place, um, primarily in the sense, or probably just trying to create more value for the customers. Because uh, these days, it's a lot of rebranding and high prices. As much as I'm enjoying the advancement of the paddle technology, I do wish that there was more there were more brands in other aspects of this industry i feel like like you've said the paddles are definitely becoming very saturated uh, a very saturated market and i don't have a problem with that as long as each different uh, like persona or user type is being catered to but at this point like come on it's getting kind of like ridiculous um but yeah I don't know the other end of the other, other side of the story of, you know, who's creating what, like, like you said, Chris Dickert is, uh, you know, single dad trying to provide for his family, but at the same time, he's also providing very like standout product. And it's clear many people are talking about it. Yeah. We, we actively go out there searching for paddles and companies that are filling spaces. Um, like for example, Chris Dickert, uh, Legacy Pro, great power paddle, lots of spin. Um, but it's quite unique because it's a little more balanced in the handle. And that's something quite rare for power pedals. Um, most are a little more head heavy. So that's why that offering is incredibly unique. And I think that's why um, it's so popular these days. Uh, because there's a lot of power pedals out there. A lot of great stuff out there. But um, we, we actively go out there seeking um, paddles that fill a certain segment of uh, consumer needs. Um, like lightweight, small grip uh head heavy power paddles and we have such a variety we try to yeah we try to fill every every uh need possible something i did want to really touch on and ask about is so you came up with this business in a very significant unique time and especially given your background uh what's your ethnicity if you don't mind me asking no, I'm Chinese. I'm originally from Hong okay. Kong. Gotcha. Yeah. So that goes into my question. Um, you started in COVID. COVID had many responses, many uh, different takes and opinions from the entire experience. One of them was the perspective on Asians. And you saw that there's a lot of crime around that time. And then there's also like the Asian hate. There's a lot of like crime against Asians. What has that experience been like starting a business during COVID from the perspective of like your nationality and ethnic background? There are points where it's a little uncomfortable. Um, you know, I think being Asian at that time definitely wasn't great. Um, it, I think it's when being Asian during the time, if you're out, if you go to a restaurant, if you go anywhere, you're going you're gonna to see uh, that you're just being treated a little differently. I remember I went to this one restaurant and I had to pick up food for the family. And when I walked in, it was like Moses parting the sea. 
um, that was fascinating. But in those situations, it's easy because you leave. Um, you go, okay, whatever, brush it off. Uh, when you're a business owner and you're in a fixed location, you have to worry that if it comes to you, what do you do? Um, so you know, it was scary, uh, to be honest with you. We never advertised as an Asian-owned business because of that. Um, you know, I'm on every a local neighborhood app. And we saw tons of accounts of just crimes and violence against Asians. And uh, I'm not that far from the store. So the concern was always, what if it comes to the store and how do I deal with it there? But also, what if it's incredibly targeted and they follow me? Um, and maybe being paranoid, who knows? But it was uncomfortable at times. Um, but we never really had anyone that was outrightly aggressive uh, toward us because we're Asian, but we've had a couple of moments. Um, yeah, I remember one time someone walked in, came to me and said, hey, is there anyone else um, that can help me? I said, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm the only person here today. Uh, they turned around, got in their car and left. <laughs> um, so that was odd. And uh, some of the other staff had noticed, um, my first staff member was Asian as well. Um, and some of my staff had mentioned that people were a little less patient with him. Um, they were eager to get upset. Oh, they're quick to get upset and try to move on to somebody else. And uh, these little things, um, you know, that we were dealing with through the pandemic, um, but it, it wasn't a lot of occurrences. Um, we're not going to play the victim card and go, oh, we were targeted and this was so hard for us. Because the huge majority of the big wall community is super warm, super welcoming. I mean, especially in LA, it's probably the most inclusive sport you could find. We're very blessed that the pickleball exchange, though we had a few minor incidents, has been just this really warm, open, inclusive place. And um, we've been fortunate to be able to keep that out. But you know, it, it, there's always that fear. Yeah, yeah. And I don't mean to try and make this about uh, like playing the victim or creating some sense of uh, like outrage or controversy throughout this, but mm -hmm. um, I do think it, like you said, the community in pickleball is great. If anyone has been listening to these episodes, we it's probably like the most used word besides like paddles in this episode. Um, but it is an important reminder that the minority, no pun intended, does not make up the majority. So while there are instances mm -hmm. and cases, it's not actually that common. But, you know, I think there are a lot of folks who start a business and they don't have to be Asian. They could be a female. They could be a different race. They could be, uh, they could have a mental disability. And it's important to share an experience where, you're having a less favorable uh, experience with someone and like yeah. how you navigate it. Um, when I think of like LA and the what times of crime and like uh, having a brick and mortar store, I think back to the LA riots of like Rodney King and like I've, I have a Korean background. So very kind of like connected to the experience of Korean store owners during that time were like kind of, battling against each other against the people who are rioting, which in a sense is each other. We're all just, we're all in the same country. We're all just human beings at the end of the day. But 
um, and even having parents who owned a retail store business. It is very interesting. So I, I kind of empathize with you when you said it's one thing to go into a store or like a place of business, but it's another thing when that's coming to you. We're fortunate we just haven't really had any crazy incidents. I mean, I, I talk to my staff all the time about it and how to just kind of manage these situations the best they can uh, if they find someone's a little more aggressive. But I, I think as a person, especially going through the pandemic, you have to think that after being locked up for so long, there's a lot of mental illness floating around. And, um, you know, I created this business for that purpose. You know, like I created this because I needed something for my own mental health. I want to surround myself with cool, awesome things that make me happy every day. Not everyone has that. And I think, um, so for us, I always tell my staff, just try to understand that folks come from a really diff- can come from a very difficult place and just talk to people and listen. And sometimes that's just, that's enough to help them um, kind of just open up to the world a little more and um, not be so close-minded. It's a unique position because I think in many ways, ways to overcome these particular uh, experiences or interactions is through help. It's like they, the person on the other side might have a certain perspective or view on you, but once and this is happening without any interaction, but once the interaction happens and they realize like, okay, I have this exterior, but I'm here to help you. That like breaks away a lot of that like tension and a lot of like preconceived conflict. Um, that's, that was going to be my question of how you handle the situation, but you answered it. So uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. And I hope whoever's listening, if they have a store that they can, you know, adapt, adopt that similar uh, kind of uh, approach. What was a thought behind taking crypto and how that could potentially, yeah, help hinder or like be viewed for your business? So far, it's been viewed pretty positively. Uh, For the most part, people will see the Bitcoin or Ethereum or Dogecoin logos on our door and go, hey, that's cool. You know, so um, that's been nice. But to be honest with you, that not many people actually use cryptocurrencies to make payments. Uh, we have some regulars that do. I also figured hopefully it would open a new segment of customers, but it didn't. And I think uh, people are not really looking to spend their crypto. So, Yeah, hodl for life, for sure. Unless yeah, you exactly. Have, unless you have Luna. Um, so I read in one of the news outlets said you had partnered up with USA Pickleball at the LA Fit Expo. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think this is our second year doing it. Um, the thing about Pickleball Exchange is we love helping the expansion of Pickleball, especially in our, our local communities. And uh, we don't get a lot of publicity for it. We just do it because it's cool and a good thing to do. Um, and we had the opportunity when USAPA asked us if we wanted to be a part of this. I said, hell yeah. Um, because this is a segment of people who would probably be um, least inclined to play pickleball. I mean, huge bodybuilders uh, that are just looking for like excitement. Um, And when you think of pickleball, you don't think of that, uh, not from our perspective, but from some on the outside. And we want to change, well, I wanted to change that understanding. And, 
I think the best way of doing so is showcasing pickleball to these folks that would probably be least inclined to jump into the sport. And I think it's been a success. Um, every Fit Expo we've been a part of, uh, God, hundreds if not thousands of people had you know, tried pickleball for the first time and they're smiling and they're enjoying it and they're loving it. And they're like, I'd like to believe we converted some folks, but um, we do it just because it's awesome seeing new people smile and love the sport, uh, hopefully as much as we do. This ha had to have crossed your mind when you started your business, but basically someone wanted to start a pickleball store, but they said, I'm not really sure. They had these like doubts. They're like, there's a tennis store right down the street from me. How do you compete with that? A lot of the comments and responses were like, oh, don't do it. Just create like online retail and kind of people steering this person away from that, which is kind of the Reddit, uh, the usual vibe. But yeah, would love to see what your thoughts are on that and uh, what in insights you could provide. If you don't love it, don't do it. Um, margins aren't great, but you know, you can probably make a decent living doing it. Uh, I wouldn't know because I haven't paid myself. <laughs> so the landscape is incredibly saturated. Every tennis store, um, I guess, in the nation right now is looking at pickleball. Um, they're taking on paddles. Um, parks are saturated with folks selling paddles uh, at the parks. Uh, so it's really tough. And you really have to just figure out how to differentiate yourself from all of them. And I think passion will do it because they'll give you an understanding at some point, it will evolve into something that will give you the competitive advantage over these folks. Um, hopefully, it's your expertise. But, yeah, really make sure that you love it. Make sure you are in the game. Um, because if not, you're just another person out there. Uh, definitely don't go on. Uh, online is really tough. Um, digital ads, uh, cost per conversion. They're like through the roof. The marketplace online is super, super saturated, far more than the brick and mortar retail side. So can you do it? Yeah. But man, we made the push online and we, we have a, a decent amount of online volume, but it's incredibly costly. And especially unless, uh, especially if you don't have the ability to um, kind of drive traffic through alternative methods like creating content uh, or shooting partnerships and it's just there's a so, there's so many things you have to do to be a successful online retailer what other advice would you say you have for someone who wants to successfully start a business in pickleball play the game <laughs> um actually play the game um you would be surprised how many people are in this sport that don't play pickleball so we try to filter through and help those that do and are passionate about the sport but play the game uh, listen to people, uh, listen to the folks at your local parks, fill the, fill the, find an opportunity to fill needs anywhere you can. Um, and hopefully that'll take you far. In an interview with LA Daily News, they said your store gets customers through word of mouth. Uh, some people come in out of town. Is there something that you're doing differently that uh, compels these people to come in from out of town the people coming in have snow has snowballed primarily because um word about our demo process or demo sessions uh has really spread um we've got i did the numbers recently and we've run our demo sessions at least twenty five thousand times in the past two years 
Um, we've had that many people come in. It, it's just ridiculous. Uh, people love this one-on-one intimate experience where we essentially tailor uh, this to each person. And it's really developed a following. Um, we have lots of locals that come. We have a big community in Hawaii that's always here, uh, especially during like September. Um, we have these celebrities and influencers um, that come from all over the nation. We had some regulars flying in on private jets, which I'm like, whoa, that's insane. I think what we do is cool, but I'm not sure if uh, it weren't all that. <laughs> in the beginning, we, we were just, it was really hard for us to uh, get people to know that we exist and to come in. And so we just paid for tons of ads and just pushed it out there into the world. And, you know, people started slowly trickling in. But we got to the point where we could almost turn off those ads. I mean, the budget now is like a 20th of what it used to be. And more it's just now more of word of mouth that um, brings folks in. What would you credit or who would you credit to your success? And what kind of story could you tell there? I worked for a lot of really, uh, I guess, powerful people in my lifetime. People that had headed um, Fortune 50 companies, people that were incredibly successful entrepreneurs. Um, and I went through my 20s just trying to learn as much as I could from all these folks who try to figure out that like secrets, their secret recipe for success. And what I learned is just that it was passion, right? Just the eagerness to and the drive. But one thing that came with that um, was there's a lot of ways to be successful and passionate and you get to choose. Do you want to be uh, the good person and a good person doing it? Uh, honest and ethical, or you want to be like the jerk um, probably watched a little too much, uh, too many movies like Wolf of Wall Street and stuff like that. Um, so, and I, I've learned from some really successful people that you can be a good person and run a successful business. It, it takes a little more work, but it's worth it in the end. And that's what, uh, that's just the primary uh, ethos of, of the Big Wall Exchange. My hope is that. Um, we could create a successful business while being honest, ethical, and having a great culture. Um, but you know, it's still to be proven, so fingers crossed it works out. And that's really been um, what the Pick Wall Exchange has been about and what really drives us day to day and in all our actions. I mean, I came into the sport as a businessman. Uh, I thought I could build a business, I could build a market, it'll be great, I'll be successful. Um, what I think changed me was the community. Um, you know, it was really hard the first two months. I think the month two, month two or three, I think we had a total of like five sales. And what really kind of carried us is the community. One, one person found us, uh, was evangelical, uh, to his closed group, literally, uh, would call folks and threaten them if they were, would order their pedals online. And, you know, as a business owner, you start wondering why. Um, as a person, you start thinking, that's so cool. Why me? You know, um, And you start thinking, man, if they're going to go so far for me, I have to try to reciprocate. What do you think when you're competing with larger retailers like uh, Amazon and 
online other online retailers i won't name any names but in the pickleball space yeah. uh, do what we can i mean do what we can focus on our experience focus on what we're strong at which is the in-store experience and uh hopefully it resonates well with the community and just keep growing keep evolving and just keep trying to spread the message i think we, we just got to try to be ourselves you just got to remember our message and just focus on that and really um, drive that forward and grow it as much as we can. Um, the hope is that we could just really spread this across the nation um, and raise a standard of what retailers uh, are doing. And um, I think just having that angle really helps us uh, because it is not easy. There's no like clear formula how to compete or how to be successful, um, especially when these guys are so big. So we just do the best we can. Yeah. And glad there's no clear formula. Then people would, wouldn't branch out, right? Like people like yourselves, yeah. if everyone just followed what some of these other big brands are doing. Um, and obviously that doesn't even work either. You see, not trying to throw any shade really, but you see like companies like Adidas, who's just a legacy <laughs> brand, a very large brand. And they're trying to come into this sport. I'm happy to see folks like Legacy, Yola, uh, Selkirk, Volaire, that they're out doing them, right? Uh, yep. not, not to say that over time that Adidas won't catch the traction that they need, but it is cool to see that this, the small businesses and community, smaller communities within Pickleball are holding it down and they're taking that responsibility seriously. How do you want people to remember, remember your brand? Hopefully people would... Uh see us as one of the forces that really helped grow pickleball not just grow it at the professional level and at the huge broad market level but more just at the parks i want to be the brand that folks like see as just the awesome community store um that's all we're really looking for uh everything I mean, we try to push online we try to push um as much as we can to grow um honestly i just want to maintain this cool thing we've built um as long as i can uh, i want to be able to pair staff so we can all just like work and or i want i want pickleball to be uh, our profession i want people to be able to make a living doing something they really enjoy has anything crossed your mind that i haven't asked you i guess the staff thing you know how do we hire staff um yeah, absolutely go into it it's really important for us as uh, and do what we do to have the right people. So my criteria typically for folks is really just to have good people that I feel are going to make good, honest decisions in difficult situations. Um, for example, if something, uh, there, there, there's a, a challenge or sorry, if there's something uh, that isn't right with a customer. I want them to do the best for the customer rather than think of what's the bottom line for the company skills. Uh, can be taught, but morals can't. Crucial skill is not just as an employee, but even as a human being. You know, it's very yeah. easy nowadays to act irrational and I think, emotional. I think uh, a lot of businesses, the mistake they make is they, they view customers as a number. Um, we're all human beings, and we, we need to view every customer, every staff member as a human being with real wants and needs. I think it's important not to forget that. Where can people find out more about the Pickleball Exchange? Um, come into the store. 
Yeah, that's the best way of doing it. Go Sabrine. Uh, email, you know, we're here. You know, I answer all the emails for the most part. Um, we have our website, pickleballexchange.com or the pickleballexchange.com. Uh, but come and sort. That's probably the best way of experiencing what we do. Thank you for joining me today and sharing your insights as an entrepreneur and your experiences. And hopefully someone who's listening can live vicariously through your trials, your experiences, and also all the advice and the insights that you provided to successfully create a business or at least be part of, uh, be part of a team that does. Um, but yeah, thank you again for your time today, Joey. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having us. Oh, thank you for having me.